Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host and joining me are co-host Aubrey Sampson. Hi there. Aubrey, it's great to have you. So good to it's be great back. Great to have you every time. I feel like it's great to have you. And that's like a tip. You're, you're with us all the time. So I know, but I like hearing it. It's it's nice. <laughs> it's to, affirming. Yeah, it's affirming. So thank go. you for that. There we go. I like our guest today. I'm very excited that we have on Elizabeth Lang Thompson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's going to talk about emotions and big emotions and mixed emotions. She just released a book this month called All the Feels. All the Feels. A very appropriate title. All the Feels. <laughs> Discover why emotions are mostly awesome and how to untangle them when they're not. I love that. I love that subtitle because there are a whole group of people that would not say that emotions are awesome at all. They'd say they're very, they just, I don't want to feel the feels. I want to I don't want to escape them. Yeah. And then others who would say they're extremely awesome, but sometimes I feel overwhelmed by them. And so I love that mostly yes. awesome, uh, which I think this is probably a topic that you really enjoy talking about, isn't it, Aubrey? I love talking about emotions because <laughs> I know this I about you. I baited a, you. <laughs> I am a person. Uh, I am a person of deep emotion. Yes, you are. And uh, I, there's goodness in that, right? I'm there, an empath absolutely. because of that. I think it empowers your mind. writing quite a bit too. Your creative it juices. Certainly does. You're able to yes, communicate things in ways that other people that you're putting words to people's feelings they weren't able to put words yes. to. Yes. That's yeah. right. It's part of who God created me to be. Um, I can tell you from my husband's perspective, who <laughs> is who is the receiver of a lot of my emotions, <laughs> that sometimes they're a blessing and sometimes he might say, you need to turn the volume down a little bit. You're being very intense. And so, you know, we have to learn that as a marriage, uh, well, how, you how know, to handle those things. I can I can only imagine because my wife is the same way. She's like, let's not talk about emotion. I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff, which is so funny because you, you know, you would think that like it, you, for some reason you would think that, and, and people talk about all the time that men are the ones who tend to not want to talk about emotions or express their emotions. They do say that. And they right. kind of pigeonhole people into that. I mean, I feel like I've heard so many sermons on like, you know, men, you need to learn how to express your emotions. I'm like, got it. I ain't got no problem with that. I'll express all my emotions. You know what I mean? And and it's right. in in our family, it's Christy who's like, I don't want to talk about emotions. Like, let's just. Have I don't want to go there right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there uh, is. It's funny you say that. There is kind of a trend right now. I feel like in preaching, where great pastors, well-meaning pastors, are talking a lot about preaching to your emotions, mm, yeah. but almost in opposition to feeling them, as if there's something wrong or negative or unhealthy yeah. in feeling them. And I actually, I, I feel like you have to feel them yeah. in order to be able to preach to them. Like there, there is a proper order to the process. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I can understand what they're saying, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of the idea that we should take every thought captive, right? make it a slave to Christ, right? but we can't take it captive if we're not aware of it or know it. You know, it's like there is a, there is a progressive process that we need to walk through where we become aware of, familiarized with, we call it, you know, in the Pain of Purpose course, befriending your emotions. Mm, that's good. So you can kind of begin to unravel them and apply the right truth to the root behind those emotions. 
you know? But you have to know what those emotions are. You do. Before you can get there, yeah. Exactly, because emotions are a result of beliefs. Mm. Emotions are a result of how we tend to, whether it's like natural propensity or yeah. whether it's things, that, you know, trauma or experiences that have caused maybe some faulty beliefs mm-hmm. to creep in. That's where emotions result. We, you know, we talk about in the Pain of Purpose course, the ABCs of emotions. And so A is activating event, B is belief, and C is consequent emotion. And oftentimes yeah. people try to address the consequent emotion to change right. their, how they feel or how they, and so this, this leads to coping mechanisms. This can lead yeah. to trying to prescribe medication immediately yeah. to try to address what you're feeling. But we're right. skipping steps there. You know, you can't change activating events in your life, but there is something right. really pivotal in the middle, the beliefs that we hold. Yeah. And these beliefs are shaped and formed by early childhood experiences and trauma or early caregivers or influences or culture, yeah. or there's so many things that shape our beliefs and it causes, causes us to see uh, the world and other people and ourselves through a lens, which yeah. then results in emotions. Yeah. And these emotions are really important for us to dig in, get curious about, understand so that we can untangle them. I think that's good too, to have a process because I, I, I feel like as a, as a big feeler, yeah. that sometimes I can let the emotions overtake almost reality. Like yeah. sometimes I have to stop and go, okay, I'm feeling something really big right now, but I don't necessarily have to be living in that place right now. And so to have that ABC, I think is really helpful because then you can sort of pause and almost make an appointment with your emotions, right? And go, okay, let me process this thing right now and figure out what that belief is and then ask the Lord to come in and and maybe do the work that the Lord wants to do. I think one of my favorite examples of this is Jesus when he goes into the temple and he sees an injustice that's happening right? You've got these money changers who are charging exorbitant amounts of money for the sacrificial animals that all of the people are supposed to purchase in order to be made right before God to make their sacrifices every year. And so Jesus walks in, sees this exploitation happening, and he has a right to feel the emotion that he feels. Right. Anger, right? Because this is oppression that is taking place Mm. toward other people, toward toward his children, Right. Yeah. In God's house. In God's house. Yeah. Okay. So, so Jesus being the perfect manifestation of, right? He's God. He is, he is God. We call it God in a bod, right? (laughs) He's, he's fully human, (laughs) fully divine. And so he expresses this emotion in a righteous way. He literally lives out in your anger, do not sin. He did not sin, Mm. but he did respond to anger. But what does he do first? He creates a whip. Oh, I love that when he goes and fashions that yes. whip. It feels like Indiana Jones Jesus <laughs> at that moment. I love it. He's so hardcore right, right there. Right. But like, think about this. How long does it take to make a whip? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would think a while. I would think so. You know? Yeah. So some time to like process to and process. breathe and consider. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. To get curious about why am I feeling this? Is this, how do I respond in the, you know, how do I, how do I then take the emotions I'm feeling, apply God's word to those emotions, mm. right? And then yeah. respond in a healthy way. And that's, that's what I, I love seeing the person of Jesus set that example for us. He does it in a lot of different places, right? He does it in the Garden yeah. of Gethsemane. 
Yeah. Where he says like, take this cup from me, you know, like he's overwhelmed. Mm. Yeah. I love that moment. Take this cup from me, except not my will, but your will. It's this moment of almost this ambidextrous thing that Jesus is doing. Like, please, please, please take it. Please, please, please take it. But also if you don't want me to take it, I'm going to hold on to it. You know, and I do think that's sometimes the call in our deep emotions is to be people of ambidextrous faith or ambidextrous emotion, right? Right. Where we can hold the sorrow and the suffering like we do so well here at Nothing is Wasted Mm -hmm. in one hand, simultaneously hold the the hope and the reality that like God is doing something yeah. and God is writing a better story. And uh, yeah, there, there's something really beautiful about Jesus' ex- example. If Jesus had just preached to his emotions, the Garden of Gethsemane mm. scene mm. would have looked a lot different. Isn't that so true? It, if he would have just preached if he would to his just, emotions. If he would have said, yeah. no, I can't feel this emotion. This is, mm. this is betraying my identity and who I'm supposed to be. So mm. I'm going to, and he starts applying, you know, all these scripture from Isaiah to his emotions and all that right. kind of stuff, right? It would have looked a lot different, but we get insight into Jesus, an emotional, right? A, a God yeah. who gave us emotions as yeah. red light indicators to help us, to invite us into places of deeper truth and healing, right? We get to see that scene played out and Jesus then submits his emotions so good. Yeah. to the will of God. It's so yeah, beautiful. So, good. so beautiful. I think this conversation that you have with Elizabeth Davies is going to be really beneficial for the listener as mm. she unpacks some of her big emotions yeah. that she struggled with during infertility and during a big family move. I think she's going to help us wrestle with what do we do in the middle of yeah. all of our big emotions and all of our mixed emotions. It's a really great conversation. So let's go ahead and listen to Davies chat with Elizabeth Lang Thompson. Elizabeth, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just honored and really excited to get to know you and your listeners a little bit. Uh, well, we are honored to have you, and uh, we're particularly interested in hearing what you have to say about emotions. Oh my goodness. As, <laughs> as COVID has swept through 2020, everybody is feeling emotions they've probably not felt in years yep. or ever, and it's really difficult to figure out how to deal with those emotions as they're emerging. And so I'm really excited for this book that you have written, uh, that you've, you've just recently released, and, and I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. Before we kind of dive in to what inspired you to write this book and some of the content in it, why don't you just give us a little bit of context as to who you are? Tell us about your family, what you guys do, where you live. We'd love to hear sure. about the life of the Thompsons. Sure. Well, um, I grew up as a PK, you know, the, okay, the dreaded preacher's P- kid. PKs, come oh, on. Hey. <laughs> Here's the question I always ask because PKs either grow up religious or rebellious. Which, uh, yep. <laughs> which one were you? <laughs> I was the religious kind, okay, I have too. to say. Were yep. you? Okay. Yep. Recovering I, I Pharisee, the... guilty. <laughs> exactly. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and now yeah. I'm raising four, you know, hopefully. I, well, hopefully they won't be Pharisees, but hopefully. they may need to recover a little bit one yeah, day. Won't we all, right? Yeah. Oh, man. So, so PK, yeah. grew up as, PK, as a PK, we kid. moved a lot um, all the way, Miami to Boston and New Jersey wow. and everywhere in between on the Atlantic coast. So um, it's always fun whenever I meet people and I say, where are you from? Um, 
I'm usually able to say, oh, me too, for a year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, people Um, usually, they go, uh, so like, was your dad, was your dad in the military or what is it? Exactly. Definitely preacher's kid. Wow. Yep. (laughs) It's a good, good tell. You know, you know, they were a preacher's kid. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So you have, uh, how many kids? We have four. Four Um, My husband, Kevin and I went to college together and, um, I always laugh that, you know, he was several years behind me and getting the heavenly memo that we were meant to be together. Oh, <laughs> and wow. speaking of things that promote big feelings, there is nothing quite like the agony of unrequited love. Wow. And, uh, you know, that was a big part of our, our, our friendship story was yeah. the friendship with vibes. And, um, but eventually he did get that memo and, um, we went through, we had three very happy years of marriage and then just were like, hey, let there be babies. And I, I sort of assumed <laughs> that, you know, nine months later, out would pop our little bundle of joy. Yeah. Um, but that is not at all the way it went for us. We went through a long season of infertility that um, I'm sure I'll share more yeah. about as we yeah. talk about triggers for big feelings. But um, that was a real crisis of, of faith for me. I think it was the first time as someone who had grown up in church that I realized, whoa, yeah. you know, what do God's promises really mean? Mm. Um, are they actually true? Um, so, but yeah. eventually God did bring us on the other side of that. And we have four beautiful children that just bring us so much joy. And I think because we've waited for them for so long, we enjoy them so much. Yeah. <laughs> we just love them so hard. And so our house is super loud and messy and crazy, but we love it. Oh, and, fun. um, we work yeah. in ministry. My husband is, um, a church planter. We are church planters. And, um, so between my writing and his ministry, we, we keep pretty busy yeah, around here. Busy. And you guys live near the beach, so we you can't go do. wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, they were like, do you want to plant a church in a beach town? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Sign us up. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> we will sacrifice for Jesus. That's it. Somebody's got to, right? <laughs> I mean, someone has to take the hard, lonely gigs. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I, I told you off air that we just spent some time down in Wilmington, North Carolina, where you guys are, because um, we were at Surf City, which is a kind of a beach town near there for the listener, if you're not familiar with the North Carolina, um, you know, that coastal area. But we also went to the uh, the, the ship that is the battleship yes. that is right there. And it was amazing. We couldn't go into all the different, you know, compartments and chambers because of COVID and stuff, but it was awesome to kind of walk through that with our kids. And we had a blast. So, so cool. Such a just glimpse into history. Yeah. We actually had our ch- church's launch party on that ship when, um, eight years ago we had like a service and then we took everybody out there and we had this big barbecue up on the USS North Carolina. It was, it was epic. That's amazing. (laughs) It was really fun. That is so amazing. Well, you know, I'd love to dive into this topic of emotions because this is something that you're really passionate about, something you've written about, something that you have walked through yourself and you've had to wrestle through some really deep emotions. Um, I have no idea if you speak Enneagram, what Enneagram type you are. If you do speak Enneagram, I know there are certain, certain types that are more averse 
to dealing with emotions, certain types that love to dive into those emotions. But regardless, I'd love to kind of tackle this topic because it's something that is very important um, as we're trying to navigate the pain and suffering that befalls every one of our lives. You know, we just, we have a course where the very first waypoint, the first session of this course, it's called the pain to purpose course. The first session is befriend your emotions. It's this idea Mm. of trying to kind of get underneath what you're feeling and not let the emotions that tend to over overwhelm us, not let those overtake us. You've written about this in all the feels and I'd love to hear the inspiration behind this. I'm sure some of it has to do with this season of infertility and there's probably some other things as well. So why don't you take us back and tell us a little backstory of it? Sure. Um, you know, I, uh, my name is Elizabeth Thompson and I'm a big feeler. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, big feelings have been a part of my life since I can remember. I mean, yeah. I've always been on the big dramatic side of things. If I am happy, there is a parade in fireworks. Mm. And if I feel guilty, you know, I am doomed and God will never look on me again. If I'm sad, you know, the world is ending, the apocalypse is nigh. Like, so big feelings have been very much a part for me of my faith journey. And how do I take all these emotions, some of them that I love and that I want to be friends with, others that I would prefer not to be friends with, (laughs) (laughs) and I wish wouldn't come over so often to visit, how do I take those and put them, you know, into into place in my relationship with God? Where do they fit? And how does God feel about all these feelings? So I think that's sort of where this journey started is a lifetime of needing to grapple with those feelings and sort of make them obedient to Christ because yeah. some of them are not obedient to Christ. Some of them want to do their own things. Um, and certainly I think different, the difficult seasons of life have fanned those big feelings into flame and forced me to take them to God. Uh, our, our, our season of infertility. I mean, I, I took it very, very hard. Mm. It was just a dark time. And, um, I remember having such a hard time seeing past that grief in the sense of not only am I sad today, but this is going to rob us of all of our tomorrows. We will never have, and you play out all the we will nevers when you go through, whether it's infertility or some kind of loss that robs you of your future. Um, I really struggled to move past that, not past it, but through it and to find joy in the in-between and to still find gratitude and even just to find God in that dark place. Um, There was another season where we really wrestled with a lot of big feelings. Um, Actually, it was when we moved here, right before we moved here, um, we had come through that infertility and we had had three babies in three years, which is just wow. insane. Wow. Insane. We call it the turbo family plan. Yeah. The, the faucet <laughs> turned on and it, it turned on. Wow. <laughs> it did. We always joke that maybe our prayers like got misrouted, yeah. you know, and, then all and like they all, they came all at hit once. heaven at once. And that was, so God was like, really again? Okay. Okay. Right, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so we had had these three babies in three years. We were 
life was good and peaceful after that long desert season. We were living in the same town with both of our families. And then it was like in a three-week period, everything fell apart. Mm. My husband needed to find a new job. We needed to move, leave family, leave friends. And I had just found out that I was pregnant, but we miscarried. Mm. And so we're going through this loss and this grief at the same time that we're unexpectedly yanked out of yeah. everything secure and yeah. everything, all the people who loved us and knew us. And then not only that, but it's like, go plant a church in a city where you know no one. Wow. They have beaches, but you have no friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, wow. I just remember feeling so overwhelmed. Like, you know, I'm trying to be strong for these kids. I'm trying to support Kevin and his work. But it was a lot of feelings to deal with. And yeah. so that was another season where God really had to work on me and teach me a lot. So um, that's some of the places yeah. where the messages in this book come from. Yeah. You, you mentioned a distinction that we mentioned quite a bit here, but I'm really curious to hear kind of your take on it. Um, you know, you're a novelist. You're one that loves to, you know, you're a wordsmith. I can tell just in just a few moments of meeting you that you've got some good uh, metaphors that you can bring into the equation and you had some things that you've thought about and you feel these things really deeply. Maybe you're a four. Do you know? Are you an Enneagram four? So I think <laughs> I'm still figuring this out and that could tell you partly that there is some four. In there. I think I'm a three wing four maybe, okay, which, okay. which that's what is I the am. angsty one apparently. Is yeah, that what you are? Yeah. Are we They're angsty? Like, Man, I didn't realize that. Well, now there's now a I'm line angsty in about there. being angsty. <laughs> <laughs> There's a line in there where he says, um, well, the book that I read said, yeah. said uh, it's really hard to be a three wing four because on the one side, you've got all this hard work and the other part of you is like, you're a fraud. Yep. You know? 100%. That's the, I, I wrestle with that every single day. So yes. I totally resonate Angst. with that. Um, but you, you mentioned this distinction between moving past something and moving through something. Mm -hmm. And I love that phraseology. Can you tell me what you mean by those? Can you give us your vantage point on that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's so tempting during really dark, hard times to just say, I just want to get to the other side. I just want it over. Let me maybe push it aside. You know, there, there are different types of feelers. I'm a big feeler. Others are more, I call them in the book, reluctant feelers, and they would really mm. prefer not to deal with feelings. They would rather have facts and right logic. And, and, and especially for them, I think it's tempting to just say, let's just move that aside. Let's just keep trucking. But it catches up with us if we don't take the time yeah. to process and to grieve through, to pray through, to take those feelings to God and say, I need help with them. I don't mm. understand this. To just go ahead and be honest about what it's doing to you inside. Yeah. I think it, in my experience, that is the only way that you can get to the other side. Um, the only way out is through. That's good. And that's not fun. The through is usually not very fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. You know, there are, you're right. There's, and I, now that I've, I, I'm sorry to keep mentioning Enneagram. I'm, but no, that's okay. I feel like the the emotions thing, it just threads right through that because there are yeah. certain types of personalities, whether you want to characterize them by Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or whatever, that more readily, you know, uh, adopt the, 
they're, they're okay with feelings and they want to feel those things. And they, that, you know, it's not, they, they are able to befriend those and others. Like you mentioned, they just, they're reluctant feelers, as you say in the book, they don't want to keep it at bay, which I think that both sides of those equations are um, helpful, right? So Mm -hmm. there, it is helpful for a logical thinker to say, man, I need to embrace emotions and feelings a little bit more and vice versa. If you're talking to somebody who is, um, and I'm going to ask you the flip side as well, someone who's more logical, analytical, thinks with their mind, why would you tell them, hey, this it's really beneficial and advantageous for you to, uh, when feelings come knocking on your door, for you to open the door up and mm-hmm. let them in? Yeah. I, you know, What I have observed in my own life and in some of my reluctant feeling friends' lives is if you don't open the door to those feelings that you need to deal with, they will keep knocking and the knocking will get louder and harder. And one day they're going to break your door down and you're going to feel like you're under siege (laughs) and you're going to find yourself just completely overwhelmed. And especially if you're not comfortable dealing with feelings, it may come in the form of you lashing out with people that you love Mm. sort of with misplaced anger or grief at the wrong things or even self-hatred and, and, and some of the things that we turn inward, uh, because we haven't processed those feelings that we really needed to. Um, So those feelings will make sure that they show up and will make sure that you pay them attention. Mm -hmm. So my experience has been, and my advice to people who struggle with this is you've got to deal with them while they're small because they will get bigger. They will grow to King Kong sized. They will start smashing buildings and break your door down um, if you don't take the time to really deal with them. That's good. That's good. Elizabeth, what about the other side? If you're talking to somebody who tends to have, you know, the feelings tend to overtake them. They tend to, and and we all know, we've all been led astray by our emotions. We've all done stupid things or said stupid things or said hurtful things, or we've done things that we regret because our emotions have taken us down a certain path. So if you're talking to that person who just kind of solely leans on their emotions for their ability to make decisions, then what would you say to them about, you know, kind of counterbalancing that or, or how to approach those? You know, I think this is where the Bible comes into, into play and where the Bible is such a powerful tool. It's funny because depending on how, what kind of church background you have or religious background you have, you may or may not associate the Bible with feelings. You may think of church as sort of this stiff, formal place. Yeah, that's true. You know, where you have to speak like Shakespeare and you need to put your feelings in airplane mode when you walk into church, mm. put on your church face, and then you walk back out and put the feelings back on, you know. Right. Um But the Bible has so much to say about our emotional health and our emotional life. Mm. And what I've noticed in scripture, you're not going to, you're not going to type in like, what does the Bible tell me to do when I feel sad? It's, It's not going to work in quite that way. The Bible is going to deal more with things like the attitude of your heart Mm. and the attitude of your mind and your mindset, which I think tells us so much. And for me as a big feeler is a huge help because if 
I, I do know how to pick apart my thoughts. My, my emotions can get all tangled, yeah. wound up together. I can't tell where one ends and the other begins, yeah. but I can take my thoughts, write them down and kind of look on paper and say, okay, what would God have me do with these thoughts? Mm. Let me line them up next to scripture and see if they line up. Yep. Let me see, is this a righteous thought or is this a thought that I need to let go of? Is this... Um, a biblical concept of God that is making me feel this way, or is it an unbiblical concept of God? So really starting with our thoughts, I think helps us to tackle our feelings mm. and start getting them under control. I have a lot of different super practical strategies um, in the book that have come in handy for me over the years, yeah. but writing down your thoughts That's is great. one of the biggest ones. It's really helped me. That's so great. Yeah. I was going to ask you about, you know, the season that you guys went through where, you know, all of these different things were happening all at once. Of course, you're feeling a ton of different emotions. It's one thing to have something happen or you face something that you're feeling one emotion and to be able to confront that one emotion and know how to parse it out know how to respond in a healthy way to it, right? I'm just feeling yeah. anger right now. That's it. That's all I'm feeling is anger right now. You know, it's easy to deal with that one emotion. Unfortunately, most of life is not like that, right? There's usually <laughs> other organized. emotions that are also accompanying that emotion or are underneath that emotion that we have to get to. It's shame, it's embarrassment, it's, and that's why it's manifesting itself in anger. But in seasons where you have lots of different things happening, like the one that you went through, what are some other ways, you know, that I heard you, you know, say, obviously start to write some of these things down and, and, and look at them on paper, but what are some other ways we can begin to untangle these complex, uh, compound emotions? Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I've found especially helpful is just taking it all very raw to God in prayer. And, you know, I think sometimes when you're going through a bunch of different things at the same time, you can start, even if you have great close friendships, you can feel worried like, oh, have I dumped too mm. much? Am I, <laughs> am I burdening <laughs> right, them? Right. Like I have so much to process. And most of our friends don't feel that way yeah. in return. But the only one who will never feel like you are too much and who will mm. never get tired of hearing from you and who has infinite time and infinite patience to let you get out what you're feeling and talk it through and cry it through and yell it through is God. And that is such a freeing thing um, to learn how to pray emotionally and, and even just to say, okay, God, Sometimes I think God laughs at me because sometimes I'll be like, okay, first box to unpack. God. <laughs> let's, uh, let's do the anger over the miscarriage box. You know, let's talk about this. And I don't understand why. And I, I don't get your ways. Okay. Now I've talked about that. Not that the feeling is over, but at least right. it's out there between us. And now I need to talk about this loss of being with family and you ripping away our support system I am hurting and I am lonely and no one understands. You know, mm -hmm. if you can take those things to God, it's a starting point. Yep. Um, not at all that you don't take it to people because other Christians are invaluable mm -hmm. in helping you work through those things. But I do think prayer is a powerful place for working out those messy feelings. 
That's really good. That's really good. Hey, Nothing is a Wasted Family. It's Christy Blackburn. I'm interrupting this interview to tell you about how I've continued in my own recovery from pain and trauma without having to leave my house. Like, legit, guys, I wake up, turn on my computer, grab my glasses, and do counseling in my PJs. It's amazing. So over the past two months, I have been using Faithful Counseling once a week with this amazing counselor as a way to work through some unforeseen postpartum anxiety and unaddressed trauma that has surfaced over the last several months. They're an incredible online worldwide organization who is sponsoring this podcast, and I have found them to be such a helpful resource in my life. They provide virtual counseling with licensed therapists who are certified by their state's board to provide therapy and counseling. Faithful Counseling is designed as a solution for people seeking traditional mental health counseling who would prefer hearing from the perspective of a Christian. If you are seeking a mental health professional who is a practicing believer like I was, Faithful Counseling may be a great option for you. Once you're matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, you can connect with them anytime via your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or even text messaging. If you're a match with a counselor that isn't a good fit for you, you can change counselors, which I think is such an important part of anyone's counseling journey. I always recommend that to everybody that if you aren't matched with one counselor, you still can find other people that can connect with you and help you move forward. So. They also have weekly group in our sessions where members can learn in a group environment with a counselor about various topics that we all face. Just to clarify, Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource during your healing journey. It costs $65 per week and financial aid is available for those who qualify. So you can apply for that aid during the signup process. To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. If you sign up through that link only, you will receive 10% off your first month of counseling for being a part of our family, our Nothing Is Wasted family. And again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. And now back to the interview. Would you say, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of something I, I, I happened to me recently where I was sharing something with my wife that I was feeling that I'd been holding in for a while, just you know, personal wrestlings. And, um, I, since sharing that, since opening up to her about that, I feel this massive weight that has lifted and, Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to figure out literally today I got out of the shower and I was like, am I, do I not feel that way anymore? Because I shared it because I articulated it. You know what I mean? I was wrestling with that. To what degree do you think sharing it, uh, you know, provides healing for it. Is it, is it the whole of healing? Is that the first step of healing? Kind of talk to me about that on the continuum. Cause we, you know, it's yeah. important to share, important to share those things with God, important to share those things with trusted, close, safe friends, counselor, those kinds of things. But to what degree is that the, the healing salve for, or the remedy for, for that emotion? I think it can be a tremendously important step in the process. Um, one of the things I talk about in the book is just sometimes feelings that that feel so convincing and big and real when they're caught up in your head and in your heart, when they meet the light of day and when they meet oxygen mm-hmm. you know, and you put them out in the air between you and another person who is compassionate, you realize this is not 
the world ending thing that mm. it felt like inside of me, yeah. especially when you're talking to someone who offers you grace. Um, for mm. me, one of the big feelings that I can tend to repeatedly struggle with is just guilt, um, mm. guilt and shame that commingled horror. Yeah, you know? right, <laughs> it just makes right. you feel so heavy and weighted down. But so many times God has given me relief when it, I get that courage up to just say, I, I feel so bad because I thought this. And um, one of my favorite Psalms about being open about sin or even just things we feel guilty about is Psalm 32. It talks about like just the relief that you feel yeah. when those feelings are out in the open. Because you so many times you meet grace and you meet compassion and you meet mm. understanding where someone says, oh, I've thought that too. And you're like, oh. I thought I was the only one. And what a relief that is to feel known yeah. and understood and accepted. It, For me, that really helps me to sometimes put things to rest that maybe I had gotten 80% of the way there myself. Yeah. It does get you that other 20% of resolution and peace. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Any tips on uh, how to make sure that that person is safe? How do you know if you're sharing mm -hmm. it with a safe person? You know, because you said especially if somebody is going to meet you with compassion or with grace. And you're right. There is a, it's a game changer when you share this with somebody who they become, they, they become instead of a sounding board, right. Which is what the term we use, but sometimes that metaphor to me is like, what well, you're bouncing it right back on me. They become <laughs> kind of an, they absorb it, you know, and they're like, yeah. and they, and they help carry that burden for you. Uh, yeah. How do you identify whether someone in your life is that, how do you find those people who can be mm. that for you? Ooh, you know, I often pray about those relationships, different mm. times when, um, you know, sometimes we don't have them immediately with us. You know, when we moved here, it was like we were starting completely over. Yeah. Not that we didn't keep turning back to our old old friends, you know, yeah. that we had in other places, but we we needed to cultivate some new ones and started just begging God, please bring people that we can talk to into our life. And I do think, I think God understands how important that is. He made us relational beings. Yeah. He, you know, in Genesis, man, it's not good for man to be alone. Like we need people in our lives. Yeah. So I do think God honors those prayers when we ask him for the right people. I also think just taking little risks yeah. in relationships, being brave enough to share something that scares you a little bit. And you usually know if you share something small and it doesn't go well, you know, this is not going to be your person. Mm. I remember one time shortly after we moved and I had a new acquaintance I was getting to know. And I mentioned that we had had a miscarriage and that she actually flinched. Um, mm. Like I, can't believe you brought that up. And she fumbled so fast to change the subject. And I thought, oh, I just made her really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we're just going to be, you know, yeah. meet at the park and kids play friends. We're not going to be heart level friends. And, and that was okay. You know, I think I had to accept, okay, this is not someone I'm going to share my heart with. Uh, but so many times, if you do take that small risk, then you open yourself up to an opportunity where they can show you grace and they can say me too. Mm. And you gradually build that bridge of trust between you and you tr trust each other with bigger and bigger things yeah, that are harder great. to share. Yeah. That's really good. Curious what, you know, when it comes to emotions, what the most 
intimidating, daunting emotions or feelings are for you personally. As mm. you look back on some of these difficult seasons that you guys have walked through, you know, season yeah. of infertility, season of job loss or job transition, mm -hmm. moving to a city you don't know anybody. I mean, geez, I planted a church. I understand trying to plant a church, you know, all of those things that are very difficult, difficult uh, things to deal with. What, what were the most, what were the scariest, most intimidating emotions for you? I know it's going to be different for everybody, but maybe sure. you can relate and give some insight to folks who that's the same for them. Well, I think I mentioned before, I mean, for me, guilt and shame is one of the most terrifying mm -hmm. feelings, I think because it feels so isolating because you mm. think, um, not only am I not sure if God can love me through this, but if I ever was honest about this feeling or mm. this doubt or this sin or this weakness or whatever you fill in the blank, um, nobody would look at me the same again. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, especially for me as, as a preacher's wife, when we're going <laughs> through infertility and I'm yeah. having thoughts like, is God real? Yeah, right, <laughs> is the right. Bible true? Um, is it all a big just crutch that people lean on to make them feel better? Yeah. I'm having these thoughts. Uh, I'm not supposed to be having those thoughts. So for me to be able to talk about that with people and say, I am struggling in my faith and I don't know what to believe and I'm angry with God and I know that's wrong. Like that was terrifying. So that's, I think that's a big one for me. I think the other is just grief because for me, grief can get so big so fast. And, um, one of the things that I really explored in the book is just this idea that um, there are seasons, you know, like Solomon says, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. Yeah. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. And it can be hard to tell when that, you know, even if you know, okay, this is my season for grief. Right. I had a miscarriage. I suffered a loss. I, right. I made a move and life is hard. That is a season of grief, but it can be so hard to know when it ends. Yeah, when it's over. And so it f can feel like you're drowning in it and yeah. you can't see the way out. Um, for me, those are the hardest ones. Yeah. I mean, I've recently had, you know, I lost my wife in 2015. And, and so I, I've recently had conversations with uh, folks who have lost their spouse and folks who are now stepping into remarrying or they're dating for the first time after losing their spouse. And that is the primary thing that they are wrestling with is, mm -hmm. you know, on one level, I still have some of these same grief feelings. And yet I feel like I'm emerging from them enough to be able to give my heart to somebody else to take a risk mm -hmm. enough to be able to move forward and uh, begin to dream of a future with somebody else again right? And yet then it gets complicated by people around them commenting on whether or not they have moved on too quickly, whether or not they have fully dealt with all of the grief, you know? So it's this heaping on uh. of complexity with is, is grief, when, when is grieving done? You know, when is it time for me to dance again? When is it time yeah. for the morning to be over? Right. And that can present uh, quite a challenge to so many yeah. people, not just in that situation, but in so many situations mm -hmm. that you're dealing with uh, as you're walking through valleys. 
Yeah, it really, it really does. And, and it's such a, I think we all grieve so differently. Some of us are very loud and very public with our feel and we're, and we're comfortable. Some of us are more comfortable sort of openly saying, this is what I'm going through and I need help. Others are, it's very inward and it's quiet and, um, and it's slow maybe. Mm. And you know, we all have to, I think we, we as a society are not, we are not good at grief. We're just, we're uncomfortable with it. We don't know what to say. We don't, we kind of want everybody to just get okay and don't make me uncomfortable Uh, with your sadness. Um, but we all need, need that time. But then when it's, when we are ready to step into a new season of our life, you know, we see so much redemption in the scripture. Um, Oh, where you would think people would never be okay again. I I talked with some women recently about Ruth and Naomi and how Mm. Naomi lost her husband and both sons. And by all accounts, her life was over. She was just waiting to die. And yet God works this incredible healing in her life. And and the book of Ruth ends with Naomi cradling a grand grand baby and and she's, it's like she's restored to the woman she used to be. Not that those losses don't still hurt or right. didn't happen, but she is living again and she's happy again yeah. and people are happy for her. And I love that the Bible gives us those <laughs> stories of yeah. redemption. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I, I'm, I'd really love to kind of zero in on this feeling of shame too, um, because, you know, recently I feel like what I've found for me is... We, we alluded to it earlier is that often when people are feeling some bold, brash emotions like anger, what's underneath that is something that's deeper and more vulnerable. They mm. just don't know how to express that mm. or they're embarrassed by that. And I think shame is often one of those culprits um, that manifests itself in anger. And what's really interesting for me personally is um, here I am, I'm gonna talk about Enneagram again, and maybe you'll understand this, but threes, particularly that is the kind of overwhelming emotion of a three. We feel shame for some reason. That's what we deal with. If we don't perform the way that we think we should perform, if we don't measure up, if we don't achieve, we don't feel like that we are, um, uh, able to be loved, you know, mm-hmm. that we're worthy of love. And so we feel shame. And I've started just saying, Hey, I've kind of feel shame about this. And it's amazing, Elizabeth, mm-hmm. how freeing that is. Yeah. Have wow. you found that to be true for you? Have you found any other helpful ways to kind of dive into shame and begin to uh, unpack that and turn that over to the Lord? What, Cause this is a daunting thing for many people. Shame. Yeah. How, how do we, how do we really move through that feeling? Yeah. Well, I love, I'm totally going to steal that in my personal life and start saying, (laughs) I feel ashamed (laughs) because I think that will be liberating for me. And it will, you know, I think that's liberating. It also lets people know how you're responding and what, whatever the disappointment is that you feel like you've put on them or Mm -hmm. the mistake you've made, it helps other people understand, oh, wow, you're going to a really, really deep, yeah. 
place with that. It's like, you just didn't email me back, bro. Like that's a, I'm like, I just feel a lot of shame about this right now. That's a minor apology, not deep shame. <laughs> you know? so, um, Yeah, I'm totally borrowing that line. Um, You know, one of the things that because guilt has been such a constant companion for me, um, guilt and shame, I I call it like walking around with a weighted backpack full of bricks. You know, you just you're supposed to be free in Christ, but you're plodding along feeling like you weigh 10,000 pounds. One of the things that I've really tried to unpack in the book and just in my life is how do we tell between false guilt and real guilt? And I Mm. think a lot of Christians struggle with that. Um, You know, God gave us guilty feelings, not to be mean to us and torment us, but just to nudge us toward change. Guilt is supposed to be your, your conscience's little alarm that says, oh, something's off. I need to make a change and turn back to God. It's not meant to be, this place you dwell and flog yourself, but we get that real jumbled up. You know, we, we want to stay there sometimes, some of us more than others. So one of the questions that I've learned to ask is what does my guilt want from me? Hmm. You know, if my guilt, if the guilty feeling that I'm experiencing is saying, Hey, you need to confess this sin or, Hey, you need to make a change. Hey, you need to wow. apologize to your child for snapping at them You need yeah, to yeah. make things right with your husband or your friend. Those are all valid things for my guilt to point me to. Yeah. But if my guilt is saying, I want you to sit here and just wallow mm. and feel miserable and be stuck and be unable to help anyone because you feel unworthy None of those honor God. None of those are things that God would want me to do. Um, I mean, there's a powerful passage, uh, 2 Corinthians 7, that really delineates the difference in godly sorrow that brings healthy change and forward motion versus worldly sorrow, which basically destroys you, pushes you away from God. So I think if we can learn when we feel shame to say, what does this guilt want from me? Um, is it something God, God would want me to do and that is, is positive or is it just something that's going to keep me stuck? Yeah, that's really good. And that's why I think guilt and shame are this, they're like the, the evil twins that kind of come together because they're, you know, guilt can be a a good thing. Like what you said, it propels you forward, but when it causes you to, uh, move away from just the thing that was done and move toward well, this is who I am. Yes. And it becomes a sense of uh, attacking your identity, most importantly, your identity in Christ, then shame begins to manifest. And it's like, well, I am this because I did that. Yes. And that, and that's where it can get really dangerous um, to sit there. Like what you said, there's, there's a lot of destruction that that leads to. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's so good. Um, so let me, let me go back to these seasons again. I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but I'm curious if you have, uh, if you have kind of picked up on some, some hints or some clues as to whether or not, uh, your season for grief is done or whether or not this is, you know, like this, 
this big looming, maybe it's not grief, but this big looming emotion comes knocking at your door. It, should I open this up and should I begin to kind of unpack this or should I not? Is this a, is this some time where I need to kind of dismiss this? Is there ever a time to dismiss it? You know, is there ever a right season mm. where it's like, Hey, we, we probably should not deal with this right now. You know, let's revisit this later. Um, how do you discern that? Mm. Well, it can be really difficult. Uh, you know, there, there are times when it's hard to know, like, um, do I need to stay, you know, do I need to let this, um, this grief in and let it stay and really unpack its bags? And, and are we going to hang out together for a while or is it time to move on? I do think that's where, where godly relationships are invaluable mm -hmm. because other people who know us well, um, sometimes they can read our signs better than we can and they yeah, can understand good. what we're thinking and feeling um, or pull it out of us when we're a little bit lost. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think, I think that's super helpful. Um, you know, there certainly many of us have dealt with just seasons of depression where it's like, there's no identifiable cause. I'm just mm. sad. Yeah. And I don't know why. Yeah. And I can't pull out. I think those are the times when you really do need to wave that flag and say, I need a little help here because mm. my feelings aren't matching my circumstances. And I, they came in, I let the sadness in and yeah. I can't get it to leave. You know? <laughs> yeah. And we've all had that, yeah, um, absolutely. you know, and anxiety, I think is another big one that it can come pounding on your door. And certainly there are anxious feelings that we need, you know, we need to respond to stress sometimes in a more intense way, right. but if it just hangs around in times when you don't need to keep feeling that way, that's when you might need to call in some reinforcements yeah. and say, okay, I need some other tools or I need some help. I'm not sure, but this anxiety will not leave me alone. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. That's where, you know, it's so important. Counseling such a great, tool for that, especially good biblical counseling where they're going to yes. be able to help point you to scripture and kind of unpack your feelings and line it up with God's word and say, okay, where do we need to, um, in many ways, uh, sub submit these to, or make these slaves to Christ. Right. And that what scripture tells us that every thought, every thought that comes in, we should take captive, make it a slave to Christ. That doesn't mean that we dismiss it or that we don't deal with it. It actually means that we unpack it, that we deal with it, but we deal with it in a God honoring way. And, and so, yeah, a tr close, trusted friend. That's so good because you and I are way too close to our feelings oftentimes to really yep. be able to give some explanation as to why we might be feeling that and what we should do about it. Um, and so just having that trusted, close friend or counselor or both yeah. is really, really helpful. That's so great. Yeah. So great. I mean, when we, when we first moved here, my husband has struggled with different forms of anxiety really since high school. And what's yeah. funny is if you met him, you would be like, you are lying. He is the most easygoing, like mm. happy go lucky person, but he can really struggle. And anytime he feels trapped, anytime he feels like he can't get out, it's almost like a, a claustrophobia. Um, but the anxiety can really amp up. And so for him, like when we went through that whole season of all the things going wrong all at yeah. the same time, 
I went sad and angry. He went anxious. And so that was a time when he sought some counseling and it was really life changing because he had a safe place Mm -hmm. um, where he could talk about it and say, "Okay, help me sift through this. It was really liberating. And and I'm so thankful Mm -hmm. that he chose to do that and kind of take charge in that way, because otherwise the anxiety was really taking charge of him. Do you care, you feel comfortable sharing about the dynamic between the two of you guys as you guys both went the, to those different places? I'd sure. be curious to hear about that because this is so sure. ap- applicable to so many. I mean, you know, my wife and I deal with this all the time. We're like, okay, she usually goes to this emotion. I go to this emotion. And sometimes we don't yeah. understand each other in those emotions. And we're working to try to understand, bridge the gap there. But yeah, talk about your dynamic a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, I think I, I tended to be just easily overwhelmed and very sad. And when I get overwhelmed, I get sort of hopeless and paralyzed. Mm. And I would tend to go to Kevin wanting him to sort of fix me, which I quickly realized wasn't fair. You know, not Mm, that he couldn't and not that he wasn't happy to hear and absorb and help, but he was hurting too. I think that's what's hard in a marriage when both of you are hurting at the same time. And it's always better if you can take turns, you know? (laughs) It's true. It's true. One can be the leaning post for the other and vice versa in different seasons. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it just, there were times when neither of us felt like we had a lot of emotional reserve Mm -hmm. left. And it, and so I think for me, that's when it really drove me in a whole new way to God and to his word. Cause I thought I can't only dump all of this on Kevin, not that he's not happy to hear it, and listen and be patient and help me. But I also need to let God help me. And I need to be responsible for my own growth through Mm. this. And I need to use scripture to disciple my feelings and redirect the dramatic ones that aren't true and cling to the, the truths about God and his goodness and faithfulness. Um, you know, and Kevin, I think I think the big thing he had to do, he tended to be real inward with it and sort of turn it on himself mm. in anxiety. And, um, you know, for him, it would come off in, in stressing about money and worrying about, are we going to pay the yeah. bills? And da, 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 you know, sort of the very daily practical stuff. I'm all big picture, big feelings. He's practical right. stress. Right. Um, and so I was really grateful when he did, you know, take that step of getting some counseling and saying, all right, let me let me get some outside help here. Um, I think that was a good turning point for us, but it wasn't like it was a long season and there are long seasons where God doesn't, we want to be rescued from the problem, but God just delivers us through it and sustains us through it. That was one of those seasons for us where we didn't get the, you know, 10 plagues out of Egypt, getting us out. We got the daily manna seeing us through one day at a time until one day it was kind of like, Oh, Hmm. I think we might be doing better. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Yeah. You almost want to, you're like, wait, don't say that out loud. We don't want to, I know. Don't jinx ourselves. We shouldn't do, but you know, anyway. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, you know, my, my counselor tells, tells me, and you know, we've said this so many times on the podcast, that you cannot selectively numb. 
Mm. That if, if you want to experience the highs and the joys of life, you also have to be willing to wrestle with some of the scary, intimidating emotions that could look like they're going to bring you down into a vortex. But if you, if you go there, then you're going to be capable of feeling then the ones that you want to. And I think that, mm. I think, you know, Elizabeth, you're an embodiment of that. I think that's, you know, that's kind of what your life speaks in just this short conversation that I've, uh, I've been able to have with you and, you know, that you're a big feeler and you're also helping so many other people be uh, okay with their feelings and not just okay with that, but allow their feelings to leverage them and propel them toward the purpose and plan that God has for them. So I, I just appreciate the work you're doing and I appreciate this book. Uh, I want to encourage everybody to pick it up. All the feels. I love the title of it. <laughs> Has to be written by an Enneagram four. That's exactly what I, when I, when, when we heard about the book, I was like, I bet she's a four, but we found out that you're probably a three wing four. So that's great. But thanks so much for spending some time with us and for, for sharing with us what, what you've learned on this journey. Oh, thank you so much. I just really appreciate um, the work that you do and the compassion that you bring to it and the humility. And um, yeah, it's just a pleasure to get to talk about these things with someone who has been there and understands this kind of emotional journey. So thank you so much for having me. What a great conversation. Love listening to Elizabeth yeah. and uh, her story and her wisdom. Yeah. So helpful. If, if you need some more help with unpacking emotions, unraveling them, we talk about this quite a bit in the Pain to Purpose course, especially in Waypoint One, Befriend Your Emotions. So go to mypaintopurposeplan.com. We'd love for you to go through that course. It's a very, very healing course for so many people that, that have gone through it. And so mypaintopurposeplan.com. Also, while you're going on the internets, why don't you go ahead and download and stream all of Sleeping at Last music? Because so good. So good. Thank you, Sleeping at Last, for providing the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. And if you would do us a favor and rate and review the Nothing Is Wasted podcast on iTunes, it helps us out a lot, gets more exposure, helps to kind of climb in the list so more people can get this content yeah. into their headphones. And um, go ahead and head over to nothingiswasted.com slash stories to read some more stories that are not featured on the podcast, but also... We'd love for you to submit your story. If you have a great story of walking through pain and trial and emerging out of your valley um, with, with redemption and hope and purpose, we'd love to hear yeah. about it. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, at Davy Blackburn, and at Obsamp, A U B S A M P. Really excited about our guest next week. He has a powerful story, a really intense heartbreaking story, one that's mm. rich with pain, um, but also with God's redemption in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited that you get to talk with Jason Sautel and looking forward to what God's going to do through your conversation yeah. with him. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and take a listen to a clip from the episode with Jason. Working as an Oakland firefighter, the greatest job on the face of the earth. I'm telling you, to be able to work in an area where you're blessed to serve others, it actually made me feel good because I never felt good growing up. 
And now I had a job that made me feel good. And it didn't make me feel good seeing other people hurt. It made me feel good that I could show up and provide care to them. Yeah. But the issue was, as I was providing care to people, I would be like, okay, my, my sad past is kind of away, but I had an emptiness inside of me. And as soon as we would head back to the firehouse or I'd go home, what I felt was good from that call would go away. The emptiness inside me would eat it up. Mm. So I was like, okay, we'd go on another call. All right, I feel good again. And then it ate it up. And basically what I was doing was throwing everything that this world said would make me feel better. Money, helping other people, doing this other stuff, going on vacation with the guys, hanging out. I threw it all at this emptiness inside of me. And it ate it alive and actually made the hole bigger. So I kind of explained it like a black hole. Mm. And finally, after responding to so much pain and trauma and, and the hurt, I couldn't take it anymore. 